Oftentimes, Balabatim are going to have tainas on their Rabbonim because the Rabbonim are not taking stands on things that, of course, the Balabatim think the Rabbonim should take stands on. They consider the Rabbonim cowards and wimpy, and they wish that they would have a backbone and stick up for what, of course, the Balabatim think are right. Well, if you think you're one of these Balabatim that you really want your Rabbonim to take stands on something, on things, then I have a question. We're going to go through a mind experiment. I'm going to tell you a story, and you tell me what you would do in this case. It's an actual story, and it's recorded in the Sefer Divrei Oil in Parshas Vayikra. We're talking about, over there, um, newspapers, bad newspapers, uh, written in the Hebrew language, in Ifrit, and not from people put it out. In fact, anti-from people put it out, it seems. And they, it's full of Nivel Peh, Loshen Hora, Hoytzos Shemra, all sorts of bad things, bad newspapers. And the Samar Rebbe says that he received a mishlachas, um, an envoy of the, from the Agudas Rabbonim. The Agudas Rabbonim was an old rabbinic organization that had a lot of Choshevet Talmidei Chachomim amongst its members, including Reb Moshe Feinstein and, if I'm not mistaken, Rav Aaron Kotler as well in his time. The mishlachas of Rabbonim told the Satmar Rebbe that they are ready to put out an Isser on these newspapers and they would like the Satmar Rebbe to lend his signature to it. The Satmar Rebbe said, Sure, no problem. Adarabah, I was makdim nasa tenishma for a long time. I said we should ask these newspapers. And they did. Then the Satmar Rebbe says it wasn't long before the Rabbonim rescinded the Yisr. What happened was the newspapers threatened the Rabbonim and warned them that if they don't rescind the prohibition, the newspapers are going to bashmutz the rabbis. They're going to write all sorts of bad things about them. And the rabbis actually rescinded the Yisr. Now the Satmar Rebbe says that was wrong. He criticizes them. He said they were wor- worried about their own covet when they should have been worried about Hashem's covet. The newspapers were violating Hashem's covet and they rescinded their act on behalf of Hashem's covered, because they wanted to protect their own covered. Now, whenever I tell this story, that's the end of the story. Now, whenever I tell this story, everybody understands. Of course, they agree with the Satmar Rebbe over here and his criticism of these Rabbonim. I don't know who the Rabbonim were. He doesn't say. He doesn't say who the Mishlachas was, so I don't know who these Rabbonim were. But whoever they were, everybody agrees with the Satmar Rebbe's criticism of them. Of course, you did something for Hashem's covered, and now you retracted it for your own covet. No problem. I understood. Now, here's my question. Let's assume you are a balabas, a one of a group of people who want to hire a rov for your shul. You take many candidates and you consider them. And there are two candidates for, for the uh, job of rov. One of them, uh, both of them are big Talmud Chachamim, both of them are Yerei Shemayim, both of them can do the job. No problem. Except for one thing. One of them, there's rumors about him. He's a Ganav, he's a uh, Noyif, he's a child molester, he's a, a lawyer, he was a, a thief, all sorts of things. In fact, they wrote about him in the newspapers, all sorts of things, nothing with uh, proof. Um, of course, sources say, um, anonymous sources, things like that, but all sorts of rumors about him. And, and he was actually written up in the newspapers. And the other one, nobody has a bad word to say about him. Whoever you ask, yes, he's such a great guy, hire him. Question, 
Which one of those two candidates would you hire as your Rav? So you see, if you would hire the candidate that nobody has anything bad to say about, then, yeah, you want your Rav to stick up for what's right, but then you would throw him under the bus for doing so. And what comes out because of this is that, by definition, if you hire a Rav who nobody has anything bad to say about, what you're doing is you're dafka hiring somebody because he didn't take a stand. If you have two people, one of them, let's say, let's say uh, from those Rabbonim in, in the, of the Mishlachas, let's just say, for the sake of the argument, half of them uh, followed through with the Yisr and half of them backed down. And these are mamish two Rabbonim who were involved in this, this Mishlachas. And one of the Rabbonim that did the right thing, he was Bashmutz, the one that did the wrong thing, he's the one that would get the job. He's the one who you would give the job. The one You agree that they should stick up for what's right, but you also wouldn't hire that person. You'd throw him under the bus. So that means that that guy would never get the job to begin with in your shul. And then you want this guy who you hired because he did the wrong thing, because he refused to do the right thing. Lamaisa, that's why you hired him. And now you're saying, well, he should take a stand on things. Well, hello. If he would take a stand on things, he would never have gotten the job in the first place. There are repercussions for Rabbonim for doing the right thing. Not only necessarily, not necessarily they getting bashmutzed in a newspaper, although that happens too, but all sorts of repercussions. People speak bad about them in the street. Other Rabbonim who perhaps they took a stand against will refuse to cooperate with them in the future. And then when the Balabatim want to know how come you can't be ba'achdus with other Rabbonim, you'll say, well, it's their fault. And uh, well, other Rabbonim get along with them. How come you don't? And yet it's true that if a Kehillah knows that the reason why the rabbi uh, is not getting along with those other Rabbonim is because he was too from, then yes, the Balabatim would not hold that against him usually. But very often, that's not the way the situation is framed. They'll tell the Rav, yeah, of course, you should take a stand, but you know, there are ways to say things. How many times have you heard this? Yeah, of course, you, the Rabbi, you could speak about this in shul, but there are ways to say it. Nobody comes up with those ways, but there are ways. So many of the rabbis that you want to take stands on things, they were filtered out, and they're not rabbis to begin with. And, and the ones that are, they're, they're very often they're trained very quickly regarding how to survive as a rabbi. And talk, let's talk about shuls. There's some shuls that are monolithic. Let's say you have a shul in Williamsburg. Probably everybody, all your balabatama are on the same page. But let's say you have a shul in a different neighborhood where people come to it largely because of its location, its convenience, and you have people very much on the right, people very much on the left, people very much on the top, people very much on the bottom. The rabbi has to satisfy all of them, and nobody wants that there should be fighting in the shul. And the rabbi learns very quickly how to walk on eggshells. And even if he doesn't walk on eggshells, he knows when to not walk on eggshells and when he has no choice but to. So, to a large extent, the rabbis are filtered out. To another ex large extent, the rabbis know what side their bread is buttered on. And if you think this has to do specifically 
with rabbis bizman hazeh, it's mamish not true. Take a look in the Torah. Yisroi comes to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he tells Moshe Rabbeinu, you have to delegate, you, you should delegate this responsibility of judging the people. Take from the people a point. Atasech zemikol ha'om. Anshei chayil. Yireyaloikim. Anshei emes soinei vodza. And delegate to them. Now, what are the qualifications that Yisroi is suggesting? Obviously, and it doesn't say it over here in the Pasuk because you don't need to say it, that they have to know the halach and they have to know how to be able to judge. That, that's Pashat. But Yisrael is giving qualifications on top of that. And let's take them from the bottom up. Sonei They're not interested in profit-making. Very good for a Dayan. Anshei Emes. They're people, who, people of truth. Excellent qualification. And of course, Yireh Kim, God-fearing people. Another excellent qualification. Now you have, imagine, you have somebody who Moshe Rabbeinu would consider. Yireh Kim, Anshei Emes, and Soine Botsa. You have somebody or people like that, but that's not enough. That's not enough. Said Yisroi, also take Anshei Chayil. What does Rashi say Anshei Chayil means? Ashirim, wealthy people, You hear what's happening over here? The Mephorshim point this out. That it's not enough for these Dayonim, these judges, to be That's not enough. Because their integrity and their personality is not enough to withstand the pressure of having to need other people and having their objectivity undermined because of that. You also need, on top of that, people that are independent, financially independent, and don't have to come on to people. Again, we need to repeat this. Moshe Rabbeinu is, is um, appointing people to be judges. And of course, they know what they're talking about. One would think that that's more than enough. But it's not. They also have to be on Sheikhail. And now look at this. What, what at the end happened? It says, Moshe Rabbeinu said it was a good idea and he followed the advice of Yisrael. He took on Sheikhail. Now, what happened to the rest of the qualifications? So the Sephorno says that Moshe Rabbeinu was unable to find somebody with all the qualifications. So he took the most important, Anshei Chayil. Obviously, he was a qualified, the Dayanu were qualified, that's what I said. But these extra qualifications, Yireh Kim. Yireh Kim doesn't mean what we call Yireh Kim, a from person. It means a exceptional Yireh Kim. And uh, Ish Emes doesn't mean what we call an Ish Emes. It means on Moshe Rabbeinu's standards. And Soine Botsa, the same thing. But Moshe Rabbeinu was unable to find all of those, and he chose Anshei Chayil. Now, the Sephorno says a different pshat in Anshei Chayil. It means uh, Lamaisa, people who are uh, able to understand the situation, get to the bottom of things, which is, of course, very important for a Dayan. And, and he learns Anshei Chayil different than Rashi. Nevertheless, the diuk is true even according to Rashi's pshat. It says, Vayivcha Moshe Anshei Chayil. Moshe Rabbeinu chose Anshei Chayil. And however you're going to learn Pshat and Anshei Chayil, Lamaisa, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu took. 
But in any case, however you're going to learn Pshat in the second Pasuk, it's clear from the first Pasuk that a requirement, a requirement, a necessary requirement for being a Dayan is not merely that he's a great Yerelikim. So if you have a, a Rav who's Yerelikim, Soine Botza, and Ishemis, and of course he's qualified to pask in the Shilas, it's not enough. You can't expect him to be independent, not to give in, not to kowtow, unless he is financially independent. If you hire him, he has a hundred, let's say a hundred people in the shul, he has a hundred bosses. And they're not on the same page, these bosses. It's not like in a corporation where there's a corporate strategy and a corporate mission statement and you have, uh, I don't know, you report to several co-CEOs or something. Over here, you're talking about people on the right, people on the left, people on top, people on the bottom, people in the middle who are actually paying his salary. And maybe they're not so diversified. Maybe they're still, the Balabatim are close to the same page, but still they are the ones that control whether the Rav is a Rav or not, whether the Rav gets a raise or not, whether the Rav gets a hard time or not, or whether the Rav gets spoken about in the street behind his back or not. So please do not be so quick to condemn your Rabbonim for doing what Lamaise you would demand that they do if, if, if not that you hired them because they don't do what you want them to do at this particular juncture. The only way a person can actually always stick up for what's right is if he's independent. Now, independent could mean he, he doesn't uh, take money from people or it could mean he's willing to forego the money and get fired, but then he's not a rov. And don't forget what's going through his head. Look, if I say this, then I won't be, then they'll fire me or they won't listen to me anyway. And, and there is such a valid cheshbin of Sometimes you're not supposed to say. Sometimes it is a cheshven. The briskerov, the briskerov, said that there are issues of the day that he does not speak about. He's silent about it because if he would say what he thinks on certain issues, people would not listen to him on those issues that he does speak out. As ah, the briskerov. He's a, a, a kanoi, he's an extremist, or whatever the reasons are that the Briskarov said that. I'm just guessing that those are the reasons why people wouldn't listen to him. Now, you have to understand, when people, when I tell this story to people, this quote from the Briskarov, there's nobody listening to what I'm saying now that thinks he's one of those people that the Briskarov was referring to. Everybody thinks, yeah, what do you mean? I would, of course, listen to the Briskarov. There are other people, bad people, who wouldn't listen to him. But, hello, who is the Briskarov talking about that wouldn't listen to him? He's not talking about the modern Orthodox people who wouldn't listen to him. He's not talking about the Zionists who wouldn't listen to him. They anyway don't listen to him. He's talking about people who do listen to him currently because of the things that he said, and everybody knows the Briskarov was not had no Hanifa in him at all, not in the slightest. He was mamish and ish emes a thousand percent. Nobody's going to question that, way beyond what we could expect of anybody to be. And there are plenty of people that don't follow the briskerov because of the things that he said and the stands that he took. And yet he's saying that those people who do listen to me 
there are amongst them those who won't, or if I remember right the quote, he said, nobody will, or most people won't, if I do reveal what I think about other things. So who is he talking about? Nobody listening to this thinks he's talking about him. Everybody's looking in the rest of the room and saying, oh, he must be talking about this guy or that guy, and that guy's looking at you and saying, Biskarov must be talking about that guy. This is the Priskarov. He was unable to speak because people wouldn't listen. The Priskarov. So imagine your local Orthodox rabbi. Now, there's one thing I said that I think I should qualify. When I said earlier that Rabbonim should stick up for what's right or what they think is right, I should not say what they think is right. I should say they should stick up for what they know is right. There's a Gemara, a few places it is in Gittin. Gemara says, The Gemara there is talking about various different Shilas, one Shila about, Shila about a get, about if witnesses don't know how to sign, can they trace their signature, is that valid? And, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter exactly what the shaila is. The point is, the Gemara is saying that there is some. They have. They had an opinion. The sages had an opinion, but they weren't a hundred percent sure of the opinion, or they weren't sure enough to maternishas ish based on it. There are different levels of opinions. There are opinions that are enough, different levels of evidence. There, uh, there's evidence that's strong enough to form an opinion to us or something. And then you need more evidence to matter something. Then there's Tosis at the beginning of Ksubis, that, that when it comes to somebody living kol yomov be'iser, so then we're choishish even for uh, something that's loishchiach, mamisha znus. In other words, something that is more has more ramifications, you need more evidence to paskin. There are different shilas, different issues, different questions that need different levels of evidence in order to reach a conclusion about them, in order to act on them. And even when the Gemara says, Lomali cross Svarahu, there's a Tosis in Shavuos and Avchav Beis Amid Beis that asks, the Gemara there says, If you want, you'll say it's a Pasuk and it's also a Svara. So Tosis says, And Tosis says, That means, Chazal can come up with a Svara about something, but they're not 100% sure. It's not so Poshet. Um, so you need a Pasuk to teach you that the Svara is right. There are some svaras that are so weak that they can't be machai of anything. Uh, there are some svaras that are so strong you don't need a posuk to tell you it. And there are some svaras that are kind of in between. Now these svaras from Chazal. There are svaras that, that are true, that are not poshut kolkach, but the posuk comes to confirm the svara. Which, by the way, I was once, from this toysis, you see a very important principle in learning. Um, I was once in a... a at davening Meirv in a certain yeshiva when some guys from the yeshiva came over to me to ask me a question. They had a big machloikis regarding whether 
to go slow, to go fast, how fast to learn. And one of them tainted that, well, uh, Reb Chaim Volozhin says that whoever's bigger in Svora is bigger than his friend, which means that even if somebody else knows a lot and you know less, but if you're better in Svora, so that means you are more choshev in learning. And, and therefore, it, he wanted to minimize the value of learning a lot of Gemara rather than, I don't know, answering kashas, asking kashas on, on one Gemara and what he considered, he's wrong about it, what he considered developing greatness in Svara. So I told him that in order to understand what is a good Svara and bad Svara, you have to learn a lot. You have to learn a lot of Gemaras. Uh, you have to learn things because you are taught by the Gemaras, by the Rishonim, by learning many things, what exactly is a good Svara and not. You can't just come up with it on your own. And he said, no, it's not true. Svara means what you think of by yourself. And I showed him this Toysvus in Shavuos. Here it says, there's Svara Shainab Shuta Kolkach, and you need the Pasuk to teach you that the Svara is true. That means if you don't know that Pasuk, you will not know whether that Svara is true. And the Pasuk is telling you the Svara is true. But it's not only one Pasuk, it's a Gemara, and it's a Rashi, and it's a Toysvus that teach you about various different Svaras. In any case, the point is that there are different levels of opinions, even amongst Chazal. Just because a person has an opinion doesn't mean he's supposed to act on it. And if he acts on it, doesn't mean he's supposed to take a stand because of it. The person is allowed to say, supposed to say, he doesn't know if he doesn't know. Before you even open your mouth, a person has an opinion in his head. That's one thing. But before he opens his mouth to, to uh, assert that opinion that he holds, he's supposed to know for a fact that it's true. How much of a fact? And, and that's only talking about asserting your opinion, meaning saying it out. To actually take a stand and create a, a, a disagreement, an argument, a machloikis, and I use that word in colloquially, to create a machloikis because of it, then you have to really, really be sure what you're talking about. Just because you have an opinion doesn't give you a right to take a stand on it, for it. The um, this is why I have a pshat why Kairach was considered a Balmachloikis. Have a kash on Kairach. Kairach came to Moshe Rabbeinu with his shtikluch Torah. Bayis Malay Sforim, Talis Kuloi Tchelis. I have a question. Did Kairach really believe that these Svaras are true or not? Did he really believe in his Torahs or not? Did he think that he was fudging it and he just did it in order to gain power? over Klal Yisrael and take power away from Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe and Aaron? Or did he really think he was right? Well, if he didn't think he was right and he thought he was wrong, then he got to be crazy to, to confront Moshe Rabbeinu with it. Wasn't, wouldn't he be afraid that Moshe Rabbeinu would slug him up in two seconds and he'd be humiliated and embarrassed by, by being refuted on the spot? Well, clearly he wasn't afraid of that. If somebody comes to Moshe Rabbeinu with a with a krumashtikal Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu will say, no, that's not true. And then everybody will see that Kairach is wrong, right? Well, clearly Kairach was not afraid of that. He actually believed he was right. But if he believed he was right, then why is it considered a machlokish l'shem shemayim? He really meant it. So I have a teretz. 
Teresa's Karach really thought he was right. But how 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 sure if he how sure was he of that? There's a halacha in oinshin min hadin. Means that you can't give somebody an oinish because of a kalvachomer. There are a lot of different pshatim. One of the pshatim, the carbon iron, is that because of all the yudgimel midosh atayin indereshes behen kalvachomer is the only one where we don't have a messiah from uh, Har Sinai about it. Xerah Shava, uh, even a, a Memetzinu, is all like Halacha Lomoshe Misinai. Kalvachomer, Odom Don Kalvachomer Miyatzma, it's a Svara. And just because you have a Svara is not enough of a proof uh, to punish somebody, to actually give somebody Malchus. So in other words, now Kalvachomer seems like a unarguable, irrefutable Svara, Kalvachomer, right? And uh, Chazal make a Kalvachomer, nobody could slug it up. Nobody could slug it up, but still, because you don't really have a raya, it's only logic, it's not enough to give somebody malchus. That's Enoin Shin Minhatin. Oi Bazoi, we understand Kairach. Because his Shtiklach all of them, Talus Kuloit Chelis, Bayis Molei Svarim, they were based on Kalva Choymer. If a, a, a regular Talus that's not made of Chelis is, is a potter, if you put sitzes on it of Chelis, Kalva a um, talus kulei tchelis, same thing, kalvachomer bayis molei svarim is potter from mezuzah. A kalvachomer, you could think, you could believe it's right. But if you don't give somebody malgus with a kalvachomer, 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 a kalvachomer is not enough evidence to go fear a machloikis, a rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu. Before you go make a machloikis with people, especially Moshe Rabbeinu, you need to be very, very sure of what you're talking about. And Kairach wasn't sure. Kairach had a Kalvachomer. Kalvachomer is not considered infallible logic. So he had an opinion. He thought he was right. He honestly believed it. But because he used that opinion and took a stand for it against Moshe Rabbeinu, that made him a Balmachloikis Shaloy Lishem Shamayim. Just because somebody has an opinion, doesn't mean he, he is sure enough of himself to be able to actually fight with people because of it. You're not 100% sure, keep quiet. You're not even don't talk. You're allowed to have an opinion and you're allowed to say, I don't know. If you don't know how to say, I don't know, then Chazal say, teach yourself to say you don't know. And what's pshat loy shamati? So now we have a pshat. Why don't say lemoid l'shein chol loymar eni yodeya? Teretz is we're talking about somebody that thinks he does know al pisvara, but he doesn't have a raya. So loy shamati, I don't have any backup, any confirmation of of my opinion. He has an opinion. He thinks it's valid, but it's not enough. So there's a person. A uh, rav of a shul, he could run his shul any way he wants. That's his job. That's what he's hired for. Davinus of Svarad Ashkenaz. And in that shul, he's the authority. To matter something, you need a certain amount of evidence. To answer something, you need a certain amount of evidence. You need a certain strength for your opinion. To matter Chayve Krisus, to matter Chil Shabbos, to matter Shabbos, to matter Melocha Ben Hashmoshes, whatever the case is, every question needs a certain amount of surety. But surety is not enough.
what we've learned here is that if you want to really get the MS from somebody and you want to know where the MS lies, you have to seek out not only Yureyeloi Kim, Soine Botsa, Anshay MS, and people that know what they're talking about. You need Anshay Chayel too, people who are independent, because if somebody's not independent, that's already a question. It's already, it's already a and this is somebody who the Torah calls a Chacham. And this is why Machloikasen happen. Either because people who don't know talk, or because people who have motivation, subjective, Vested interests, they talk. When either of those two things happen, heim hamarbim hamachloikis, that's the cause of machloikis.